welcome to Thought Jar, a podcast run by high schoolers where guests share their unique perspectives on arts, education, society, and more. I'm Sally, and I will be your host for this episode. Today, I have three special guests with us. Janet. Hi, I'm Agnes. I'm Danny. So Danny and Janet both are high schoolers. Agnes is slightly older, <laughs> but yeah, they are all for a fact good readers. I know they read a lot and I do think when they watch movies they also have their own thoughts and think about it as well. And of course today we are talking about film adaptations. We know that many films they don't have original screenplays these days. Many of them are adaptations and uh, they often become blockbusters. They earn a lot of money and uh, generate a lot of conversation. Yeah, they get a lot of like spotlight out there in the media as well. And recently, Dune just came out, and we might be aware that it is uh, based on and very much rather faithfully adapted from the book by Frank Herbert. Um, so I'm just going to start out with a question is, have you guys read and watched Dune? Okay, Agnes has not both not read and watched this. Okay. I watched it, but and I'm still reading. Um, I watched and I read. Did you read all of the books? Uh, yes. All right, so to those of you who have actually read and watched Dune, did you guys enjoy the movie? And what made you like or dislike? Let's just start with that. I managed to finish the first part of the book before I watched the movies, but I didn't finish this whole book, so I'm not quite sure if I can represent the whole thing. But generally, I enjoyed the movie, and I thought it captured the feel of the desert quite well, and the sound effects, uh, sound and visual effects are all quite well done and fitting. I thought generally the actors were well chosen too, although I did notice a lot of changes from the book. I have not read the books, but I have watched the movies, and I think what you pointed out about the uh, cinematic aspects, I agree with as well. So what about you, Danny? Okay, it's horrible. The director, he's a failure. He didn't do it. Like, Dune, I, I know it's massive. It's a very big and hard project, but the movie is just like like a bunch of, you know, worms and two hours and 30 minutes of like um, of like background information. Do you think the director failed in that he just didn't make a good movie or that he both didn't make a good movie and wasn't faithful enough to the book? No, it was a good movie and it's faithful to the book, but he didn't capture the, the entirety of Dune. Like, um, if you exclude the, the element of the book, then it's an excellent movie, you know, like, it's, it's, it's faithful, you know, and all of that, and, like, the soundtracks were good, and everything was good, but that's the point. Like, Dune is not about, only about science fiction. It's everything, and, like, like it's, it's about, like, political stuff, where the, the movie just, like, oh, there's a family, and here's a family, and they're at war, and then that's it, like... There are no, like, it's not complex enough. Yeah, I, I do agree that it didn't capture the political complexities of the whole thing yet. Great, great. So we have touched on quite a couple of things already, as in what makes you guys enjoy an adapted film, and also maybe some of the weaknesses of adapting a novel, where um, movies, as of themselves, the movie might be good, but for those who like the books, it might not be good enough. And for some reason, that 
that will definitely be uh, related to simply the movie medium and what it is capable of. We are going to get started into more of the deeper questions. And before we begin, can we just all name a couple of films we've seen or heard of that are adaptations? And let's see what we can come up with. I feel like it would be mandatory for me to mention Pride and Prejudice since I mentioned <laughs> Jane Austen so many times on this podcast. Uh, Pride and Prejudice and Anne of Green Gables, there are a lot in the English literature realm. Actually, they're very popular recently. People are very into English history from the 17th century, 18th, 19th century. But then there's also the classics. Uh, there are also the classics that involve um, fantasy and magic, which I shall leave for other people to name. <laughs> yes, I guess um, the first thing I'd think of would be the Harry Potter films or the Lord of the Rings, maybe Hunger Games. So there's a lot of popular franchises. How to Train a Dragon is one. It's a franchise, but it's an animated film, but it's also based on a book. I can't think of any right now. As we said, there are popular franchises. There are also classics. Of course, there are a lot of Shakespeare movies. Tolstoy as well. Wizard of Oz, also classic. And there's quite a lot that are standalone novels that were adapted into movies like Shawshank Redemption, based on a book by Stephen King. Jojo Rabbit's based on a book by Caging Skies. Coraline, which is a uh, stop-motion film, is also adapted. So we got like a variety of different types of films that were from uh, pre-existing stories. So what's adaptation? It's kind of like making pre-existing work into film. Pre-existing maybe drama plays, like The Father, Phantom of the Opera, Lismiz, they're all adaptations. Best-selling fiction, non-fiction, like Nomadland, comic books, can be also seen as adaptation. You guys all know it already. We're probably going to be focusing more on books, but if you guys want to go into the comic or drama play a domain of things, I'm also free for that. What are you guys' opinions on movie studios adapting pre-existing work? Are they just producing tons and tons of movies that don't measure up to the books? I think people's responses going into watching adaptations tend to be either I hate it. It was nothing like the book that I imagined. Or, wow, that was a cool movie. I haven't seen the book, but that was a cool movie. And I think for me, um, something that makes a big difference um, when uh, evaluating a film adaptation is one's imaginative experience with the book. When we talk about how to judge a movie or that is an adaptation of a book, I think it depends a lot on if we're evaluating it for the person who's just looking for a good movie but has never read the book, or if we're looking for to evaluate it for readers of the original book, and they're looking for a director to bring the book to life. More on that to come, but I think that might be a big point. Yeah, so, so definitely there's two kinds of people, two kinds of audiences, and there are films that maybe mostly all readers, like maybe like Lord of the Rings, right? But um, for a lot of films, it is kind of like what you say, definitely. Yeah, I agree. I guess I generally don't mind adaptations. Sometimes I don't know it's an adaptation either. But, well, I guess I feel if a movie studio chooses to adapt a book, it would be best if they tried as much as they could to stay true to the source material and not change a lot of stuff just for profit or anything. That's a really good point. I guess we could debate for a very long time on whether or not a director should stick to the original source material when adapting the book because Lord of the Rings, some people would argue the original trilogy by 
Peter Jackson, is that his name, the, of the director? Okay, so the original um, Lord of the Rings movie trilogy um, was so popular, fans claim, because it was very successful in staying true to the book. Whereas the recent, the Hobbit trilogy, a lot of fans have slammed because they feel like they he changed the source material for profit reasons. So that's one example of maybe a franchise that was supposedly more successful because it stayed close to the source material. But what's interesting is I have also seen great movies or adaptations that I did not know had originals. Um, for example, I know this is in the comic realm, but Howl's Moving Castle, I did not know it was based upon an original English work of fiction by a small, well-known, less well-known author. Oh yes, Diana Wynne-Jones, it was, yep. I did not know it was by a Diana Wynne-Jones. And I loved the movie. I loved what the director, or the cartoon animation, the animation, I loved the animation, what the uh, director did with the plot or all the symbolism he put in and the, the progression of the character over time. But when I read the book, it wasn't quite there. I feel like the author, the, the director had taken a lot of interpretive freedom with the original source material, but I love both in their own way. Um, and that was the most obvious example of something, an adaptation I had come to love and accept as an entirely different creature than the original source material. I really agree with you for House Moving Castle. Yes, some movies succeed at um, getting people who love books and just love movies for movie's sake to like the movie as well. That's definitely true for some films, but not all films can do that because ultimately not all directors are going to be the ones who really love the book and want to bring it to screen. And there are also a lot of other reasons why directors might want to adapt something. So what do you guys think? Why do people want to adapt fully developed stories into movies? I mean, maybe some directors, they have screenplays in mind. They have ideas. But then why are there so many of these adapted movies? Um, like, you see, um, I think, I think, um, me think, you know, like my opinion only, like, um, the directors, they feel like they need more audience. Like they only have audiences of, them own, of their own. And forgive my grammar. And they want to other audiences. So they try to adapt books so they could get more audiences to watch like, like maybe their like own stuff later on because they feel like they have two less audience and no matter if a failure or like a success they won't get as much like um like charge you know like um like good stuff like profit and and stuff like that and fame and like the oscar stuff like that a lot of blockbusters are going to take original uh, like pre-published work that already have fan bases right they have an audience already so definitely increased audience is one point Though I feel like it's my impression that um, films usually have a wider audience than the books. I feel like uh, oftentimes people don't know the books as well, but when the movie comes out, they like know the movie and then go to the books. That's one other way to think of it, definitely. Thanks for bringing that up. I love that Danny is uh, the conspiracist among us. Um, I've, I've never even thought about the money or 
sort of self-benefit aspect of this, but I, I, I guess that is valid. My thought was um, that I've seen some directors who love the medium itself. Um, it's like, for example, an English professor, he could be chatting with me and he could be telling me that he loves Anna Karenina because of the message. And I could be very interested in the message, the message of maybe guilt and redemption and sin and morality. Great, we can talk about it. But once, what's the difference between the English professor and me? Well, he is in love with the way the medium of a story conveys those things. He's interested in similes and metaphors and, um, and conversation and all those aspects of the language of fiction writing, of novel writing. I think a director, a lot of them are indeed in love with the language of film itself. And whereas a good story is a good story in any way, there is a difference between a story that exists in a book in the imaginative realm and a story that they could use this language, this medium that they love to bring to life, the language of color, of soundtrack, of, I don't know, editing, of splicing screens and editing the screenplay itself and costume and all of these um, languages that a book doesn't use exactly. Yeah, thanks for pointing that out. That is definitely one thing. Different mediums have different advantages and uh, maybe one story can exist in multiple mediums, in plays, in books, in movies, maybe even in games. Um, each medium brings a different thing to that. Let's talk about that, actually. How does the story change as it goes through each of the mediums? Can we um, think about whether the story is like the same story once it goes through a different medium? We can talk about books, plays, about movies as well. What do you guys think? Some people would argue that um, the story is still the story, even if you change a medium. But I would argue that the medium itself is as powerful, if not more powerful, than the story. Uh, when I think about the Harry Potter adaptation, all I see in my mind is this blue-green filter that the director has used, and as well as the soundtrack, the dun, 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 dun. It just comes to mind, and that is more emotionally compelling than any particular line I remember anymore from the movie. But when I think about the book, I think of words, um, messages, and there's a lot of internal dialogue. So I think if I could summarize what I feel like to be the main difference is um, the movie v medium, its strength is visuals and sound, and its limitations are visuals and sound. It, I still love books because it, um, the book medium, the words, words on a page, allows me to enter very deeply into the thoughts of a character. Um, whereas I feel like for movies, um, it could be more immediately emotionally compelling. It could be more emotionally compelling in a direct way because I see and I the, the movie the music moves me. But if I'm asked to analyze a character deeply, why is it that he or she feels this way? I may have less evidence to go on immediately. They talk less. They think less in movies. I mean explicitly. So I have less to go on. I might feel very strongly with them and not know why. But with a book, I have a clear trail of evidence there for me to 
analyze like this is why I feel this way this is why they feel this way I can track them more carefully through their words novels can reveal a lot about inner conflict because narration and writing you just this person feels this and then the writer just writes it out whereas when you put it into a film um, people usually talk normally in films right and that means you need to know the inner conflict through subtext right but you know that's difficult for the director if they don't do it well you're not getting a lot of character but if they they can do it as well because as, as we've said uh, movies do visuals very well they probably can do better with um big massive sets or uh showing whole societies and and these bigger things so through these elements they can probably also go, go deep into the character although it's kind of a different different feeling i would say mm, yes i agree I also feel like um, the book medium has more freedom, because though it only though it's only words, it well, the author can just engage the reader's imagination, and the work really gets transformed as each person reads it. And a book has more time; it's not really limited to one sitting, and it can encompass a greater period of time and. Greater detail, whereas a movie, it yes, like you said, it engages more senses, but yes, it cannot show the characters' inner thoughts and details, and it has a time limit. Things have to move at a certain pace, so so it's difficult to show the maybe the inner conflicts or the more complicated scenes that a book can just show. Like a book can maybe the suppose it's a political dinner scene. A book can develop the stakes and the shifts in conversation bit by bit through the chapter, but a move if a movie does that, it will feel very slow and very detailed. And and um, one last thing, I feel like a book, um, an author has complete control over the contents of a book. Which words to use and how to use them, but、uh, some factors are beyond the director's control. I think, especially in live-action movies, some effects or some the way the actors look or move, the the director just cannot change any of it.、Um, Jenna, what you said there made me think. For example, in the political dinner.、Um, Example that you gave. It's it's a really good example because probably if I were a director and I was trying to show the scene, I'd just tell this actor, "Look tense." And if I were an audience and I come into this dinner, I could tell this is a tense dinner. Everyone's really tense, and the feeling would be strong, but it might not be rooted in rationality. If I had read. All the preparation leading up to the scene, I might know logically and rationally. This is a dinner of big stakes. Here's why. Boom, 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 boom. And my feelings could be in sync. Wow, this is a tense scene. But in a movie, it's feelings disconnected. And what's interesting is they're real feelings. Maybe people would feel like, you know, in, in that scene, I, it felt really stressed. It's it's real stress, but it's not anchored to a thought. Reality, and I was just thinking about how the movie medium has become more popular in our age. It's not a coincidence. 
20 years ago in China, maybe movies were not such a big deal. And certainly in America, it's been longer, but I would say 100 years ago, movies were not such a big influencer. And I wonder if that phenomenon of when we go into a movie, we expect to be emotionally hit without any reason. We expect a sad, like watching sad actors, not knowing why they're really sad, not understanding. But if they're sad, we'll cry with them. I wonder if experiencing so many feelings without any anchored reality makes us more prone to certain judgments. For example, now when people argue about politics, they don't necessarily argue with evidence. It's just about making a more emotional statement. Who can get their audience to feel, like Trump, Trump and his Twitter, he can get his audience to feel a certain thing that's not anchored in reality. And it seems to fit with our culture. We are more emotional, but less rational to a certain extent. That's really deep, I think. <laughs> that's, that's really cool. Um, first of all, Janet, when you talked about the limits of books and, and some of the limits of movies and a lot of the uh, strengths of books, I also agree with as well. And Agnes, what you mentioned um, about how sometimes movies can very easily draw you in and then afterwards you come out and not necessarily know what it was about. That's definitely possible. Maybe it's just because they have so many tools um, as in cinema, it's very easy to manipulate an audience, right? And and the fact that there are so many bad directors out there makes it so sad because there could have been good films that use these tools in a good way to, to tell a deep story as well, right? Yeah. All right, then I got another question for you guys, okay? We've talked about how movies are very limited in some aspects and how sometimes like books can do more. But also one question is, are there certain books that are not for adaptation and should not be adapted? Or let's just even say, should the director be adding or changing a lot of the books to make a good movie? Because as we said, they are different mediums, they have different strengths. If you take a book that uses inner dialogue and inner conflict in a great way and you put it in a movie and you don't change anything, people are going to hate it. <laughs> because it doesn't show, it doesn't work that way. They're different mediums. And like Dune has been said to be a non-adaptable movie. Yes, it is. Right, and Danny still thinks it is. But what do you guys think about that? Dune is not supposed to be adapted, okay? Because it is just too enormous. Unless you want a 10-hour film to explain everything. Like, it's not just only about the inner dialogues like there there are tons of it, like of in, inner struggles that were presented as external stuff inside the book but in the movie like you don't see any of that you only see very basic inner struggles instead of instead, instead of like the more like the deeper inner struggles like their own identity like um they're searching for something like a mission like the Benny just like the Benny Gesserit, Frank Herbert, he wanted the Benny Gesserit to show like that they're like they're searching for a purpose for the universe. Like that is why they exist. But in the movie, they're just a cult with a bunch of like crazy women, you know. And that's not how it works. They're pioneers that want to work the entire universe to a better place. Yeah, but the movie does it like. The movie only wants to show like um like um, a court and like a guy he wants to go into the court so he has to marry the princess so and then he marries the princess and he becomes the king 
Yeah, but that isn't how it's supposed. To, like it's a, it's just the very basic and like the surface of the book. Like you could only skim it. So Dune is an 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 adaptable as a movie, but I think it could work as a TV series because it's just too in- enormous to be in like two hours. Yeah. So if it's in TV, it probably has less budget, so the visuals won't be that good. That's one point. Although Dune, um, uh, as with the reviews, they are generally positive, but I I think a lot of people are also agreeing with you. I don't. I didn't read the books. So I can't say. But maybe it's different from the book, yes. But as a film itself, it's still enjoyable. So, in that sense, I would say it succeeds as a movie. But whether it succeeds as the Dune adaptation, maybe based off is fine. But like, if you compare it with the books, as a book lover, it probably falls short by a lot. As you've said, the book is gigantic. It's enormous. It's incredibly long. But. Yeah, maybe some of these films that aren't really adaptable, um, as long as the director can choose what must the film get right. And obviously, what you said about using external things to reflect inner things, having done that, that means the director is also already good at the medium, right? Maybe they can't show as much, but they at least use the right language. I guess like when I was watching Dune, my my mind was still filled with the details from the book, so. I didn't, I didn't really feel the film was shallow, or maybe just because I had the background in place, so I just slotted it into the elements in the film, and it felt pretty enjoyable. I think my mom, after watching the film, was like, she doesn't understand why a character did something. Okay, so she didn't read the book. Okay, so, and she goes in and she doesn't understand. So obviously, the movie doesn't bring everything in, and. I have actually tried listening to the audio version of the book. Didn't really get into it. I think I just couldn't remember the names and everything. I only knew who died. <laughs> but but also you kind of have to go in believing that it is good, believing that there's deep things beneath this very dark world, fantasy world that takes itself so seriously. Maybe the movie it's not. It of course the book isn't that good for an adapt- adaptation. But of course, there's still audience that can understand it and watch it and enjoy it, which well makes it a good choice. Still, maybe not the best. Yeah. I think to answer the question strictly, are there any books that cannot be adapted? I will say, no. I think that technically speaking, all books in the world can be adapted, and even with value. For example, I read. I sat down and read a five-minute. Second grade version of the Count of Monte Cristo. And it was really short, and it was very easy. And if anyone, any of you have ever read the Count of Monte Cristo, you know that it is a long, complex revenge novel with a lot of characters, a lot of plotting. But this second grade version was basically: this guy got framed, this guy got jailed, he escaped jail, and he made up with the people he had hated. Now, wow, <laughs> that skipped. All of the interesting parts,、um, but I thought, does it have value? Well, it can be seriously misread. I think if I if that book were the if were my sole basis for judging、um, the Dumas, <laughs> the, the the author behind it, Dumas, I would think this is a terrible book. It's so shallow, but it has done its job in familiarizing a childish audience. 
with the person who is the Count of Monte Cristo and hopefully grabbing his interest. And when he reads the book, he might be interested in reading the book. And when he reads the book, at least he will know the general arc. So I think if, if anything, I, I can think of adaptations of my beloved books, like Little Women and of Green Gables, and always, again and again, the feeling is, but that detail was so great. Why did they leave it out? That conversation was so great. Why did they cut that scene? But I think, um, does it have value? I think it does, independent of that question. I think it does. Maybe it's just some books are better for adaptations. Yeah, maybe it's not the ultimate one book can't be. Yeah, I would say if the director cares about the story and cares about the medium, at least he's going to produce something that's watchable and able to be appreciated. But some books are just going to lose some some of the power, maybe like the book Thief. I didn't watch the movie, but I think what I read was because the book had this narrator that's called, that's death. You don't have that in the movie. Is the movie all right? It, 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 its score was fine, I think, but compared to the book, it just lacked that strength. The book is really good. But then, well, the events of the story, it's also okay as a film. It works, but it doesn't have as much of an emotional impact. So maybe when directors choose what they want to adapt, they got to think about whether it can make a great film. But then if it makes a good film that will like, they won't go bankrupt after that, then it's fine, right? Because some people can still find things. If they haven't read the book, they watch the book Thief, they might still get things out of it, right? Because that's just one huge element of the book. But then there are so many things in that book. And if the movie just takes a few elements of that and makes it great, that movie has value. I love that you mentioned several times movies that you had not seen, but you were able to talk very discerning about, um, discerningly about, because I think um, when we, we tend to be very interested in finding greats, we want a great work, we want a great movie, we want a list of the top 10 movies ever, and we'll only watch the movies on this list. I think that from a if I were a director, the question before me may be, how do I make the best film ever um, with the limited, how do I express myself? This is a work of art. Am I true to my art? But then as, a, as the um, popular viewer, our, the question that befalls us is not so much, can I change how good this movie is? But really, I have a limited lifespan. And I'm going to have to choose what I enjoy with my limited life. There are a lot of okay, mediocre, not too bad films out there, but my life is short and I'm just looking for what's great. But I think maybe we can allow for in a market there to be fine French dining films for the discerning and the people who are um, very concerned about how they use time wisely and they have a good eye and they want to enjoy the best things in life. And maybe we can allow for McDonald-type movies. Mm-hmm. Um, if I mean, a McDonald's won't kill a person once or twice. And then there's like poisonous movies, which we're not including in this, in this discussion. But I think we can allow for popcorn and fast food as well as for fine dining because we can't fine dine every single movie. We'd, 
we'd be too overwhelmed. It's like eating French fine fine French food every day. Just too much, too much. Okay, then thank you all of you for just telling your thoughts very frankly. But yeah, maybe we can inspire more people to think about film adaptations a little bit more and to consider just the beauty of each medium as they uh, enjoy it as well. All right, then thank you and bye-bye.